0: Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, GetPuroAir.com. You're listening to episode 23 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hello there, and welcome back. This week, I am so thrilled to bring you a conversation with my friend, Leslie Ford. She studies the mental load extensively, and she's dedicated herself to helping other women make time in their busy lives for self-care. In today's episode, Leslie and I are talking about two distinct things that interact and intersect over and over in many unique ways. First, we're talking about women's mental load. Now, chances are real good you've heard the term mental load before because everybody's talking about it these days. We're talking about what specifically comprises the mental load that women face and how it affects women's health and well-being. Now, Leslie has studied the mental load by surveying real women, and I think you'll be surprised to hear what she has to say. Second, we're talking about mom's hierarchy of needs, which is a visual made by Leslie that plays off of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We talk about what exactly are mom's needs and where they fall in daily life. What needs of our families and our households get the most attention and what gets the least. There's also a discussion about minimalism, specifically as Minimalism applies to our attempt at reducing the heavy weight associated with the mental load. Now, Leslie is the type of person you would love to sit next to at a dinner party. Her interests are wide and she can chat about everything. She's passionate and she's full of energy. So even if you aren't a mom or even if you aren't a woman, this conversation will appeal to you. Leslie is a personal friend, and I'm so thrilled to introduce her to you today. This week's show notes will be found at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 023. And just a friendly reminder, it's not too late to sign up for the June Sustainability Challenge. I'll link to sign up instructions in the show notes as well. Now, as always, be sure to stick around until the end of the episode, because I will be giving you a sneak peek of what we're talking about next week. Without further ado, here's Leslie. Hi, Leslie. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you?
1: I am great, Stephanie. Thank you for inviting me to be here.
0: Well, we are personal friends, and I just love your work and what you're doing for Overwhelmed women. So maybe we can start with who you are personally and professionally.
1: Sure, I'm. I'm happy to start there. In my, hmm, in my life, I guess my my day life. I've been in marketing and business development from a career perspective for quite a long time. Um, I work for an educational publisher, and I'm responsible for product marketing for a children's news program. And so that is kind of what I do um, quite a bit at a time. I also have the website, Mom's Hierarchy of Needs, which is my um, kind of labor of love and passion project. And it's allowed me to return to the type of creative writing and personal expression that I don't have as much opportunity for in my in my day job. Um, I volunteer quite a bit in my community, and I have a kind of group of moms that I started about five years ago where we get together once a month and kind of focus on professional development and personal development and So I I keep active, and and I have two little kids, (laughs) seven and three.
0: That is so much going on in your (laughs) little corner of the world. Um, So thank you for taking the time to come on and carving out a little piece in your schedule for me and this podcast. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, no, I'm thrilled to be here. This is going to be really fun.
0: So your website, Mom's Hierarchy of Needs, talks about a hierarchy of needs for moms. Can you explain it?
1: Moms are extraordinarily stretched for a a large variety of reasons. And after I had my second child, I realized I felt just, I hit a point of burnout um, when I returned to work after she was born. And I was trying to figure out how to get out from under that. Um, and why it was so difficult, and and why things felt so bad for me, me and how other moms were doing it, um, especially as someone who I've always had an incredible amount of energy. I never needed a lot of sleep. Um, you know, I can kind of work at an extraordinary pace, and always have been able to do that. But after you know, after she was born. Um, just everything really changed. And I started to look at my life through a different lens and my kind of priorities, How to, and then how to really change how I think about my priorities and how I accomplish them. So I wondered how other moms were, were dealing. <laughs> how, how, how do they deal? Um, how do other people feel the way that I do? Um, you know, there, there's kind of at the high level there's this, you know, the, the shiny, bright, beautiful parts of motherhood, of which there are many, and that is what we see, I think, on the surface of a lot of the conversation and media and how we're portrayed. And then on the playground, when you get into a conversation for more than a few minutes, um, you know, we're all kind of exhausted and <laughs> stretched and um, and dealing with a lot. And I just felt that not many people were talking about this outside of the playgrounds at the time. Also, there was not a lot of focus that I could find around self-care and personal growth and development. There's a tremendous amount of amazing resources dedicated to childcare and how to be great parents and how to take care of our families. But I couldn't find much on how to take care of ourselves. And at the time, I didn't even know what I needed to do to take better care of myself. Um, I didn't know why I felt so bad, and I didn't know why I was floundering. So for all of those reasons, I started kind of thinking about it, and then I was describing to some colleagues that I was working with, and they were both male colleagues um, for a company that I had done some work for, What, why moms are so stressed, the question came up. And I then said, well, you know, there's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and then there's mom's hierarchy of needs. And it just sparked something for me when I said it. And I wondered what the hierarchy would look like. And that day I drew it on a piece of paper and then I put it into PowerPoint. And then I said, well, let me find out how other moms would define it. Would they define it like me? And after two surveys with probably close to a couple hundred moms, um, You know, it combined between the two surveys, maybe 150 moms to 200 moms. I made a lot of adjustments and tweaks. And, you know, at the bottom, just like Maslow's hierarchy, the foundational activities that we feel are kind of core to our being and core to what we have to do are at the bottom. Um, You'll notice that children's well-being (laughs) is down at the bottom, helping kids meet their developmental milestones and be healthy. Um, healthy, happy little humans kind of becomes priority one, and how we spend most of our time. The next level, and this was actually from input from other moms, I used to have all the kids stuff together. But one mom wisely put that, well, you know, scheduling a play date, not as important as scheduling a doctor's appointment. So I separated, you know, kids activities from kids health and well being. Um, And then there's households and all of the things that we might be responsible for in our homes. And then there's professional um, as the next level, and whether it be volunteer or career or entrepreneurism. And basically, there's several layers before we can get to the top. And you don't give yourself permission to get to the next level until you feel that you've satisfied what's at the bottom of the pyramid. So mom's inevitably put self-care and self-interest, and by self-interest I mean fun. <laughs> um, whether it's going out to see a movie with a friend or, you know, learning how to play the piano or um, going for a run, you know, whatever those personal priorities are, we put those at the bottom of the list uh, on a consistent basis. And I wanted to understand why. Um, And how to change it for myself and help change it for others who were interested in the same thing.
0: It sounds like you are touching on the big buzzword of 2018, which is um, the mother's mental load. Would that be accurate?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, so that's a whole other interesting piece. When before I started the mental load survey and launched it, I had seen that viral cartoon that was making the rounds, um, you know, in social media, where basically it depicted a mom um, and all the things that she had to do during the day. And that at the end of the cartoon, she's basically sitting watching television with her, you know, with her, with her spouse and the cartoon bubble over her head is basically, of course, thinking about all the things that she has to do. And that just sparked tremendous awareness for me that it's not just about the really limited discretionary time that we have for self-care. The stress is perhaps more so about how we are thinking about the many things that are on our list and what's ahead and what we have to do. And it's all the artful planning and orchestration for ourselves, for our family members. And that loop is running in our in our heads all the time. Um, and we have limits. Uh, neuros- <laughs> from a neuroscience standpoint, which I've done a lot more research on since I started looking into this. Um, you know, we have limits to how much we can hold in our working memory at any given time. And that constant mental clutter and concern about everything that's on the list. And noticing everything that needs to be done in the house interferes with tranquility and peace and calm and clarity of thought, (laughs) you know, all of those things that, all those things that we need and enjoy and allow us to kind of have space for either what we want to do professionally, personally, um, or just to relax, dare I say. The R word. (laughs) Dare I say relax. I know, exactly. It's like, we're allowed to relax, right? We should be able to have a little leisure. But yeah, it it interferes with all of that. So
0: I want to get into your research and your data. I've taken your survey into the mental load. And the best way I can describe it is thorough. (laughs) It's very thorough. Thank you. In a great way. (laughs) And as I took it, Your questions were so poignant that it really made me think about all the stresses and additions to my own mental load that I didn't even realize were on my plate. So it was really kind of eye-opening just for me on a personal level. What have you found in your data?
1: Um, Absolutely. So I, I found a lot, and and it's been one of the most gratifying projects that I've worked on. You know, across my whole life and career, like it's just been incredibly gratifying to work on, you know, women are, you know, overwhelmingly, it was like 98% of the moms that, that were surveyed feel overwhelmed by the by mental load stress. And so, and, and overwhelmed is not like a, it's not a passive word, right? Like it is most overwhelmingly most moms are feeling incredibly strained and I think what was gratifying about that is that we're not alone. <laughs> and there was a, a component of that just being validated that these feelings and how mental load stress is incredibly invasive to just living day-to-day life and having clarity and also being able to ascend to the next thing, you know, whether it be something personal or professional. Um, and it, you know, it just takes up a lot of space in our heads that edges out other thoughts and other ideas and, and other opportunities. Um, you know, this is all happening, I think with mental load stress and what women have, um, I think been dealing with and moms particularly the the greatest concerns that people were expressed were just the constant, the constancy of it, Um, the lack of relief from it, the lack of being able to share it. So even in households where moms have really good support and help from either, you know, their partner um, or from other family members, you know, they still owned that, psychological to-do list. <laughs> they were still responsible for knowing when something had to be done. Um, and, you, you know, I think that that takes a toll and we don't realize how much of a toll it's taking um, until we sit down and think about it. And and until I started digging into some of the the research from my studies and then also just, you know, other secondary sources of research around um, kind of what our minds can and can't handle. It, it then paints a really big picture about how this affects, um, you know, how this is affecting moms, our happiness, our health. You know, this type of stress has a very kind of deleterious and draining effect on our bodies, and so it's beyond just being comfortable and happy. It really has a profound impact on. How we, you know, how we're able to thrive and and flourish mm-hmm. in our lives.
0: How does clutter and managing the household affect
1: the mental load? So, household responsibilities, which included uh, cleaning, dealing with clutter, acquiring things for the household, uh, disposing of things for the household—you know, the whole thing—was um, number. It was number two. Um, in terms of the most frequent source of of mental load stress, just managing household work, which includes, of course, managing household stuff, which is a part of the work. So it's pretty significant. And, you know, in even prior to the mental load survey, when I did the first survey on well, after the mental after the mom's hierarchy surveys, when I did my first survey on stress, and kind of basically, why are we choosing the priorities that we choose? Um, How are we allocating our time? Dealing with household and housework was up there um, as one of the top, you know, it was within the top 10. And one of the areas for relief that a lot of moms seek or opportunities for relief is more help, more help with household, whether it's Um, spouse source, (laughs) outsource, um, or eliminate altogether.
0: So it seems as though, I said before, like the number one buzzword of 2018 is mental load. And number two might just be minimalism. Right. (laughs) So why do you think that is?
1: Well, it's to me, there's a really direct relationship there when we're feeling completely overwhelmed by everything that we have to do and react to and think about, um, and we're aware of the effect that that's having on our families, our health and our happiness, we look for, you know, it's natural to look for places to eliminate and change and simplify. Um, and overwhelm and mental load is, mental load is really a, a consequence of, just having too many things that we're holding in our brains at the same time. Um, and even my like moms like me where I have a, like, I'm a very, I, I used to be a really organized person um, way back when pre kids, I was super organized. Um, but I also take like incredible notes and I'm, you know, I have lists for everything even the most list-making, <laughs> technology-centric, uh, savvy mom for capturing kind of what has to be done, the there is no ability to write it all down, um, and we are the spillover is kind of bouncing around in our brains all the time. So less to do, less to track, less to worry about means less to think about, and minimalism I think is a really powerful like way of approaching life that will contribute to less mental clutter. Um, It's not the, you know, there is no answer. Um, It's such a complicated problem. There's no single answer, but it makes sense to me that minimalism is catching on for this reason. And for frankly, a number of other really important reasons.
0: I find myself wondering often, in my daily life, whether minimalism is a way of taking control when things feel out of control and overwhelming. I have been suffering from a low level but constant anxiety for at least since my second child was born. And I find myself often feeling as though things are out of control there are so many things I can't control, but one thing I can control is the stuff, the things that are around me. So I wonder I wonder if there's something there.
1: Yes, I think there is something to that. So it's interesting because my, um, <laughs> I, I, I hope she's not upset about this, but my sister and I were talking, we talk every day, but when we were talking yesterday, she was describing how she was like, you know she's a she has a bad back. She's been painting her girls' um, bedrooms, and it was like at twelve thirty in the morning. You know she was vacuuming and steam cleaning her couch, right? And, <laughs> this is, and she, and so of course, you know, we talked about this. We laughed a bit because you know we're very very close, and I get her, and she gets me, and you know she felt that she was overwhelmed with a, with a lot of things on her plate at work um she has a visitor right now in town she's trying to get the girls rooms kind of redone and ready they've finally decided they wanted their own rooms instead of being in the same room and she said just the the sheer intensity of all of those things she just wanted the house to be clean and she wanted to eliminate clutter and just it created a sense of calm, um, even though it was more work <laughs> to be doing that at twelve, you know, twelve thirty in the morning. I, I will say personally that visual clutter and lots of stuff, I find that incredibly stressful and anxiety provoking. It also, I think. That everything that's associated with acquiring the stuff that comes into our homes when we have kids, like to your point, right? Like since your second was born, you know, we have this vigilance associated with being parents. So we are aware of everything associated with our children, and we have a certain vigilance for their safety and for their well-being. Um, the amount of stuff associated with the little people in our houses um, is tremendous. And I had a really clean, clear space with very little stuff in it before I had children. And that's really changed. And I think that has contributed, that contributes to a certain amount of visual clutter, I think contributes to a certain amount of mental clutter and eliminating that does feel like you're taking back some sense of perhaps control, but also, at least for me, some sense of my identity because my identity was never to be the person who had tons of stuff.
0: Yes. So you mentioned earlier that the mental load has significant deleterious effects on health. And so it would make sense then that a partial solution would be self-care. The problem then is that self-care on the mom's hierarchy is way, way, way at the top, which means it almost never gets checked off the to-do list. So I'd love to get back to the hierarchy and I'd love for you to tell us, how do you make time for self-care in your own super busy life?
1: Well- I've I've had to let a lot of other things go. To be really honest, um, there was never space for self care, so I've had to kind of make the space by dropping a lot of other things. I start my days really early now. Um, you know, I'm usually awake before everybody else is awake, so I use that time. Um, I use that time for meditation. I use that time for journaling or writing, and I use that time to go running. Um, Sometimes, you know, as, (laughs) as all moms know, right, there's never just a plan A, you have to have a plan B and a plan C and a plan D. So I have like four different variations on when I go running every day, because if my if one of my kids wakes up earlier (laughs) than expected, which happens, you know, it happens often enough, then, then I can't necessarily go running in that early morning time. And I will have to do it after drop off. Or if I can't do it early morning or after drop off, then I might have to do it like later in the day, which is not ideal. So I have like several plans um, for how to kind of fit that in and, Daily exercise for me is really important. It's been a very positive way to manage stress and to kind of create, you know, create some room. Um, I think for just clarity of thought. Um, the other, you know, I just stopped watching TV like a couple of years ago. Um, it's something that I used to do with my husband. It was more, you know, of a bonding, a bonding activity between us. And you know, at some point, I'm, we might pick that up again. But because I have so much on my plate, you know, with work and writing, um, I just stopped watching TV. So after the kids are asleep, I will, you know, I'll usually I'll be in the same room as my husband, and I will put on headphones, put on white noise, and I will use that time to write and edit, um, or to do work and also to do work for my um you know for my uh, day job um, so that is another way that I've made space a lot of the complicated beauty things that I used to do I do a lot less of <laughs> I you know like I I just realized like do I really need to have painted nails no I do not <laughs> do <Yeah>. I, <laughs> does my hair need to really like take all that time and do I like the way it looks sure but do I need <laughs> to spend 20 minutes on my hair uh, no I do not so I've let a lot of things like that go um, to just make more time in the day and in the week. And incrementally, it has helped me fit in, you know, running, meditation, journaling, writing, things that are all really important to me that I would not have had room for otherwise. Where do you still struggle? Or do you? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, there's always... I'm really interested in a lot of things. Um, There are a lot of causes I care about, kind of the grander scheme of things that I, you know, volunteer for now, but wish I had more time to contribute to. I'm still dealing with stress. You know, there's, there's no question about it. Just the intensity of my schedule feeling like I have to be somewhere all the time that, I am in demand all the time that someone needs me all the time that something's beeping, buzzing or calling me all the time. Um, that is stressful. And I'm you know try, I think the amount of self-care, the running and all the things I've doing I'm doing for myself have helped tremendously. But there's still a certain amount of anxiety just around all of that. Um, You know, as my children are getting older, you know, there's a lot of wonderful things that come like my youngest is three and a half now. So she's much more independent in certain ways, which is amazing. But she's also incredibly active and requires different things. So I'm adjusting to her needs and their needs. As they change my son, who's seven, you know, he's different things are happening socially now with the second graders, right? And he has different questions. And I'm really conscious of that. So, I'm making space when I am, you know, kind of in that before school time and during dinner, after dinner, you know, I'm making that space to have time to talk with him and to talk with them and to kind of keep that connection going. So, I'm conscious of that. And I think that's causing me some anxiety. Like, am I, am I saying the right things? Am I answering the questions the right way? Um, you know, I want to set them up to have a life that is, you know, amazing. Um, and, I, and that the role that I play in that hopefully helps them take care of themselves and have the right priorities, you know, as they kind of enter these years of school.
0: Well, parents are the best model and um, you sound as though you take time to care for yourself, right? So that will absolutely (laughs) rub off on your children.
1: I hope so. I certainly hope
0: so. So you mentioned your website before, but I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about it and tell us where we can find you on the web for anybody who would love to learn more about your work.
1: Oh, great. Thank you. I'm, well, mom's hierarchy of needs and it's momshierarchyofneeds.com. You know, I've been focused on self care and personal and professional growth and how to make the time for it. Again, I feel that there are a lot of wonderful resources about motherhood um, from a parenting perspective, but not a lot about how to get out from under. the tremendous overwhelm and stress that we're all feeling, that to look at women who are doing incredible things, and that they are moms, and they're doing incredible things and how they're making the time. So when I talk with people and interview with people and write about topics, it's the deep dive, like it's not for the mom stress tourist. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like I'm not writing things for somebody to explain it to somebody who is not a mom, like I'm really writing it, from in the trenches. Like, okay, no, I know you did this thing. I know it's a miracle that you did this thing. Like with women who, whether it's someone who started a business or is writing or whatever they're, or they're making time to exercise or do yoga, or they started a class. Like it's amazing that they did it in the context of life with children And I will ask those questions. No, no, no. No, no, no. Not what you tell everybody else. How did you really do it? (laughs) How did did you really make the time? Um, Because there's a lot of magic that has to happen in figuring out the right routines and habits and psychology for ourselves to be able to get there. So I focus on that. Um, I think it's empowerment. It's getting us out from under all of the limiting self-beliefs that we have and the limiting beliefs society has about what mothers can and should be able to do and focus on. Um, And that we can, even though there's a lot of reasons, I think things are the way they are, in the short term, today, this month, this week, this year – We can do remarkable things and we can find the tools and find the people that support us in these paths that we want to be.
0: Well, your website is a phenomenal tool for moms and women who really need some tools. And I am shocked that you didn't mention your one pot meals. Maybe you can quickly talk about those because those have literally changed my dinner routine they 've changed my life so
1: <laughs> oh i 'm so oh i 'm so happy to hear that, so thank you for thank you for saying that and and for asking about them so a, a long <laughs> it's a story for another time um, a while back, I did a little departure from marketing and went to culinary school um, and I did that when I was living overseas, and I was in London, and I, food has always been a hobby and a passion. So it is something that I really believe in. I cook every day. Um, I make all my own bread. I make all my kids snacks. Like It's something that I just really love to do. And I don't think that's for everyone. But whenever I talk to just moms in my life or even women, people in my life about cooking, there's this perception that it's impossibly hard. And it just requires too much to be able to do it on a regular basis. And I think we fall into this, you know, fear that we can't really cook. There's no time for it. And so you get into these habits of eating, you know, food that we maybe are paying extra for that's convenience related food that we don't even really like in the first place. So I've tried to share just a lot of my tools and tricks for getting dinner on the table for a family and not becoming a short order cook where you have to make 15 different things to cater to each person's personal tastes and whims. Um, But you can really make one meal for the family that's relatively quick, relatively healthy, and you can spin off a few variations of that to satisfy the differences between kids' palates and grown-up palates. Um, so I do, I do write about the food because I love it so much. Um, so thank you for asking. So that's in there too.
0: Leslie, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your passion project and also for sharing your wisdom. I had so much fun talking to you.
1: Thank you. And Stephanie, it's a pleasure. Um, you're a gem. I really appreciate being invited. Bye-bye.
0: I so hope you enjoyed that interview with Leslie Ford. As I listened back to our discussion, one big thing jumped out at me. And it's that minimalism is a tool to help you reduce mental clutter and to regain a sense of control when things feel overwhelming. I've found this to be the case in my own life, and maybe you have as well. And it all loops back to the reason why this podcast exists. I started this podcast because I know moms and dads are overwhelmed. We're all stressed out, right? It's sadly a part of adulthood. And it's easy to throw items X, Y, and Z in the trash instead of taking that extra time and that extra mental space to dispose of those items properly. So again, therein lies the reason why I started this little passion project of mine. I want to help you find easyish answers to sustainability so that we aren't adding to our mental loads as we attempt to live an eco-friendly existence. Speaking of being eco-friendly, there is still time to sign up for the June Sustainability Challenge. It's four weeks of incremental changes with the planet in mind. Join us, you'll get community, you'll get support, and you'll get a little bit of fun too. You can sign up through this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 023, three. M-A-M-A-minimalist.com forward slash 023. Now next week on the podcast, I'm answering a listener's question. She's getting married, congratulations, and she's interested in creating a sustainable wedding. I've got suggestions for her as she plans her big day, and I've also got suggestions for you as a guest so that you can responsibly and sustainably enjoy wedding season. I will see you then. Take care.